Well, when I was thinking about uh, family and the fact that the reality of conflict, how many of you had brothers and sisters? <laughs> okay. Um, how many of you fought with your brothers and sisters? <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. Yeah, standing ovation there. All right. Great. Oh, man. I, I actually think that God gave us brothers and sisters just to learn how to fight. I think that's part of what it's all about. It's, it's conflict uh, management there, how to grow in that. And what, what was interesting to me is uh, there were five kids in my family. Uh, Mark was the oldest, then Diane, then me. And then I had a younger brother, Mike, and then Amy was the last one. And what was wild was I got along great with Mark and Amy. Anybody have this experience in your family? But the two who are right next to me? Cats and dogs, baby. The people who are closest to you, it's amazing how that would bring out so much more angst and actually, I think, bring out who we really are. I had no idea how selfish I was until I got married. Anybody else relate to that? You know, you think you're actually a pretty decent guy, and then all of a sudden you have to live with somebody all the time, and you're like, oh my gosh, I think about me all the time, and I had no idea. That's one, that's one, of the, one guy, he actually wrote a book, about, he called it Sacred Marriage. And he said, marriage is not to make you happy, it's to make you holy. It's to actually help you to understand who you really are. And then, I had no idea how selfish I really was until I had kids. I had no idea the anger. Any parents have any idea the anger you had inside of you? You know, I thought I was this gentle, calm guy, and then I had kids. And it's just the weirdest thing how this stuff comes out of us. So... Man, rubbing shoulders, finding out who we really are, this whole idea of bringing Christ into our lives so he can actually be in our relationships, man, this one right here is so important to us. So Paul fleshed out in this whole, in this chapter, just a real quick reminder, I'm going to kind of go back into this, but just real quick. He started off in chapter three by saying, if you've received Christ, if you become a follower of Christ, then now, right now, your life is hidden in him. We're going to talk about that for a second. You have a, a new self inside of you. And then he went on and he said, now because Jesus is there, living and literally spiritually dwelling inside you, there's just some stuff you just got to get out of your life. You got to put it to death because it's just not him and he would have nothing to do with this. And then you don't just get stuff out, you put stuff on. And we talked about all these characteristics that are who Jesus really is. And this is the beautiful part of who he makes us and who he's transforming us into be. And then last week we talked about how we can actually build each other up. That one of the reasons we're connected to each other so we can build each other up. And now he fleshes this thing out. And let me just start in Colossians chapter 3, starting with verse 17. It says, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. And do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. And fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. All right. One of the coolest things here is this relates to all of us in some fashion. All right? So let's pray. Let's just ask God to come and speak to us and help us know how we can live together in our families. Lord, man the gift of family. And uh, the fact that there isn't one family in Scripture that actually isn't dysfunctional is very encouraging to me. <laughs> that the, It's hard to rub shoulders with someone on a daily basis over and over and over again because who we really are gets out there. 
So Lord, whether we're a wife or a husband or a father or a mother or a child today, I just ask that you might speak to us and uh, really get to the core of what we need to hear so that we can help our family situations to be what they really are intended to be in you. And we ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Lad, who's speaking down south, we were talking about this, and one of the first questions we came up with is this. Is so, you know, so wives are supposed to submit to your husband. How are you supposed to submit to a screwed up husband? Anybody, have, you know, you ever wonder about that? And, and husbands, how are you supposed to love a wife who's screwed up? And kids, how are you supposed to honor and obey parents who are screwed up? And parents, how are you supposed to not embitter someone who's screwed up? See, because what happens is we, all of us, are engaged directly, closely with people. <laughs> and every person is messed up in some way or form. And so we look at these things and we say, but God makes it really clear. But this is what I need you to do. And this is how I want you to live this out. And lots of times, and the reason I brought that up is because many times we'll say, I can't submit to him. I can't love her. You want me to obey that? <laughs> and how do I not embitter that? I mean, we, we, we justify our reasons for not being these things to each other, okay? So we got to go right back to the core about how in the world we can be submissive and loving and how we can honor and obey and how we cannot embitter. And here's where it is, uh, chapter 3, verse 17. It says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Here's the key, you guys. You got to do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. So we talked about this, and this is why we have to recap this. You, see, this is why it's really important when you read the Bible, is that if you just go in and you just read these few verses, what you got to always do normally is you got to look and say, but how does that fit into the context of this? And again, the reason God is saying you got to be these things is because you have put on a new self. Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And this new self that you've put on is like Christ. And I, I know I was down south when we, when we gave this message, but Chris and I worked on this together. The, that word picture, that word means put on, means that you actually entered into something that you soaked into. All right, I used the word marinate, you know, that you, you just soaked in something, that you put something on and you have a new identity. And I was just sharing down south. When I was seven years old, my dad was a football coach and a, and a phys ed teacher. And that's why I love sports, I think, so much. And I'll never forget when I was seven years old, he actually brought home the varsity football equipment for my birthday party. It was awesome. We got to put on the helmets. You know, they just rattled all over our head. We had shoulder pads hanging out to here and the shirts hung down to here. But as soon as we put those things on, man, we transformed. You guys know what that's like? And then what was awesome when I actually got into ninth grade and actually put on the uniform for myself, man, I was a Lapeer West Panther buddy, right? I mean, when you go to the Utes game, I'm seriously, those guys put on a Ute outfit. There's one thing you know, man, you're a Ute. You are not a cougar. You are a Ute, am I right? See, okay, I'm glad I found one that finally connected with you guys. <laughs> I'm serious. You put that uniform on and you are identified. You know who you are. See, this is what this whole chapter is trying to say is you put on a new self, man. You belong to Christ now. 
This is your team. This is who you play for. This is how you play. You don't belong to the Cougars. You don't do that. You don't belong to the negative side. Can I just say, I saw a Barry Sanders jersey walk in right over here. Can I go ahead and stand up, sir, just real quick. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Detroit Lions. Yep, yep. That's a beautiful side. Okay, see that just, mm, just does something for me. I'm juiced. So see now when you put on Christ, what he's saying is, now this is who you are. This is who you are. So get rid of the sexual immorality. Get rid of your anger and your bitterness and your rage. Get rid of all this and put on the compassion and the gentleness and the kindness. Put on the love because that's what it is to belong to Christ. So do everything in the name of, and I really, in the name, you put on the jersey, that's the name. This is who you are. It's your identification. Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ because he is in you. And you are in him. And so when people see you, this is how you should operate. So whatever you do. So if you're a wife, you got to do it in the name of Christ. You should look like Christ as a wife. If you're a husband, whatever you do, then you should look like Christ as a husband. Can I just say, just so I know too, how many kids are in here right now? That you literally live under your roof of your parents. Okay. If you're a kid, then you should be a kid in Christ. You should be a kid like Jesus Christ was a kid. And if you're a parent, if you're a father, or if you're a mother, then man, and this is a huge one for me, and this is where Christ needs to come through us to our kids. Can you guys imagine if Jesus actually, you know, knocked, you guys go home today and he knocks on the door and he's got a couple bags. <laughs> he's like, hey, I'm moving in. I'm moving in, man. I'm taking residence right here, right now. All of us would go, man, i got to change how I behave. Wouldn't you? How many of you would have to change how you behave if Jesus moved into your house? Okay, that's the point. He did move into your house, man. When he moved into your heart, it says he dwells there. That means he lives there. That means he is in your home. So let's change this stuff. All right, so here we go. That's what it means. So wives, here we go. We'll start with you because he did. Submit to your husbands as it is fitting in the Lord. And I can't wait to get into this because I know all of you just went, Ugh, and your hair just come on your neck and you're like, Ugh. and, if you're, and if, you're, if you're seeking out Christianity, if you're not sure if you want to follow Christ, now you know why you don't. Because I'm just like, there ain't no way I'm doing that. I'm out of here. So but he, here's what he says. Submit to your husbands as is fitting. What is it? Not even to the Lord. In the Lord. See, this is why the whole chapter matters. Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. You are in Christ and Christ is in you. So when, you, when wives submit to their husbands, it's actually, it's actually fitting, which means it's proper. It means it's the right thing to do if you're in the Lord. Now you might sit there and go, okay, show me that one. Here you go. So basically what he's saying is if you're a wife and you submit, you act like Jesus. You just, you just get the incredible opportunity to act like Jesus. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8 says this. And this is actually to everyone, but listen to this. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he made himself nothing, 
taking on the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. See, one of the most beautiful things about our faith, you guys, in Christ, one of the most beautiful things about the one that we call Lord is he says he did not consider equality to be something to be grasped. He did not live, in other words, for himself. He emptied himself. And that's one of the most awesome things about our God that Christ shows us. So women, when when the Bible says you should have the same attitude, you should be submissive to your husbands, it's like this is how Jesus Christ lived. And if he's living inside you, one of the things that's amazing is you'll notice that Jesus never did anything on his own. Nothing. He says that all the time in the the book of John. He wanted to be so in tune and so one with his father that whatever the father wanted to do, he just did. He was just really, really submissive. Now, so basically, if you're in the Lord, it is fitting and it's proper to be submissive because that's who Jesus is. And that's how it gets fleshed out. Now, let let me explain a couple things. What does this not mean? I asked my wife yesterday, <clears throat> and this is what she said. It was awesome because Sue just says, I know that for me to be submissive, it does not mean, well, you know, actually she said, this is what I know. I need to bring my whole self into our marriage. I wrote this right down. She was, I don't lose part of myself. I don't shut down who I am. And this includes my ideas, my strengths, my thoughts, my dreams. She shows, but I can do all of that without running over you. Okay, does that make sense? So what it means to be submissive, it does not mean, okay, become milk toast, you know, and just sit down, whatever you want, honey, you know. Yes, sir. Yes, master. You know, that is not what it's talking about. Women, you have, I mean, I'm telling you, for us to have any type of good marriage at all, Susie does, man. She brings it all into our marriage. So don't ever think, and men, I hope you're listening more than the women here. What this does not mean is that you should shut down or lessen yourself. You bring everything that you've got. But at the same time, because look at Jesus Christ. I mean, was there anybody more powerful? Seriously, was there anyone more powerful on this planet? No. No one has changed the face of this earth more than Christ. And yet he was meek and mild and gentle in spirit. So there's something beautiful about that. There's something really good about that. And so, in, in, in partly in that verse, it said, Jesus being in very nature God. So, when he came down to earth, he didn't like, okay, I'm going to stop being God. He didn't do that. He was in very nature God, but he chose, he made a decision to humble himself. That was a, in his nature, he still was. Can I just, this is so important that you hear this, especially if you're wondering about what does Christianity really talk about all this. Paul makes it really clear. There is no male or female in Christ. You know what he's saying right there? He's saying we are absolutely equal. In nature, in our nature, we are at equality with each other. Men, you are not greater. You are not more important. Women, you aren't greater or more important. We are in absolute equality with each other. But when you look at this, what it means then is for Christ to come in, it gives you a strength, I see, and a power 
is Susie, and this is what Susie, this was her answer. So that's, it doesn't mean just become milk toast, but what it does mean is to come under leadership. It means just to, to come under leadership, to bring your whole game. I, I'm going to say this, and if you guys want to talk about it, I'd love to talk about it this, but I want to tell you, I believe from Scripture, okay, and just from my own interaction with men and by being one myself, actually, men are supposed to lead. When a man is alive, when he's not struggling with his security, when he's not struggling with his identity, when he's actually healthy inside and secure in who he is, you know what will happen? He will rise up and he'll start to lead. And he's supposed to. And women, all this means is that what that means is you get underneath him. Submit means you get underneath and you say, and, 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 how many of you were at the marriage conference we had like about a year and a half ago? You guys remember what they said? You get underneath him and you say, you're the man. <laughs> you rock. You go. You actually encourage him in who he is. You solidify him. That the one of the best things Susie does for me, she just believes in me. And man, when a woman believes in a man, something changes. Something rises up and he'll start to be who he really is supposed to be. But I want to tell you, if every time a guy steps up, he gets challenged, he gets cut down, he gets laughed at. Guys, forgive me for confessing this, but this is where I think we're really weak. Because pretty quickly, we'll shut down. Will we shut down? All the women raise their, shuck their heads actually. We'll do one of two things. We'll either shut down and we'll stop leading or we'll get really angry. You shut up. We'll slam the door. You guys know what it was? You notice what the scripture said right there? It said, oh, we're going to get to this. When it says, husbands, love your wives and don't be harsh with them. Isn't that interesting? Out of all the things he could have told men, he said, hey, dudes, chill. But I just want to say, one of the reasons we get harsh is as soon as we feel like we're not respected, as soon as we feel like we're not believed in. When, the, when, the, when a woman has a, a confrontive spirit, then it makes men just shut down. So really what it is, you guys, is you get down and you say, I believe in you, I, if, and, and you lift them up, and you say, I want you to lead. Okay, now I'm going to jump right into men here, and then we're going to combine this together, and it's going to get so good. <laughs> I'm serious, man. This stuff psychs me up. Husbands, our turn. What's it say to us? Husbands, in verse 19, love your wives and don't be harsh with them. Here's a couple other verses where it tells the same thing. In Ephesians 5.25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and he gave himself up for her. Ephesians 5.1 and 2, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love. Just as, just as, same thing, Christ loved us and he gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. You guys see, so again, all you men right now, if you're a husband or if you're ever going to be one one day, your reality, my reality is I'm in Christ and Christ is in me. And what does Christ do? He dies on a cross, totally gives up his life for the church. And what the Bible is saying is, dude, I'm in you, and that's how I want you to love your wife. I want you to get up on the cross and die to yourself, give yourself up, and love that woman. 
I mean, this is amazing because the key there, it says, as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God, do everything you do, what? In the name of the Lord Jesus. So for me, to honor Christ, just as Christ did for me, then for me to love him is to love her the way he loves me. (laughs) And he gave himself up for me. Now, can I, and this is just true of every human being. Do you guys know, you give yourself up for what? What do you give yourself up for? Because we all do. You give yourself up for what you value. What's really, really important to you, you give yourself to it. So for some of you, man, it's so important that I have this position in this company. And what do you do? You give up your life for that all your time and all of your energy and all of your thought because that position means everything. Some of you, it's like, man, I've got to live in this type of house or I've got to have this amount of income and you know what? I am going for it. Kids, I'll see you when you're... I'll see you later because this is what I actually value. Honey, I know. I Really, serious, I'm with you. But you guys catch the picture here? When you value something, it grabs you and you give yourself up for it. Did a wedding last night, and Susan and I were there, and it was so fun. And, and at the end of it, there was a reception, and, and we were hoping to really dance, but nobody was really dancing that much. So we went inside to kind of say goodbye. And, and then I just know she loves to dance, and I do too. I actually I really love to dance. So we're getting ready to leave the kitchen and go back out, and we're walking out because we're like, let's just dance one song. And I take, I'm like this. I turn around to start to walk, and right there in my peripheral is the Utah game. And I'm like, oh my gosh, look. And I... <laughs> And I did, man, I sat right in front of that thing for, checked out the game, went over and talked to a guy about it, and, and then we went out and danced. And, um, but seriously, you guys, you give up your life for what you value. Okay, when I do premarital counseling with people, in fact, I did this recently, and I looked at this guy, and I just said, here's the deal, you guys, what it means for you to marry this woman is it means she needs to become the most important thing on this planet to you. And, and, and guys will go. And I go, oh no. This is, this is just going to be ugly. Because what we're supposed to do, if Jesus Christ will give up his life and die for the church, and then he says that's exactly how, I mean, that's called giving it up. So husbands, we're supposed to give up our life. And so I talked with Susan. She says, there is every woman I know, she said, wants to be pursued, wants to be known, wants to be heard, and wants to be valued. Women, would you agree? If a guy in a marriage makes the woman feel like there is nothing that compares to me, how's that going to be in the home? If your work doesn't even compare If the one person you know they want to be with is you, then everything changes. So here we go. Now let me show you how this all comes together. There's two other places in Scripture where where, where this teaching happens. And one is in Ephesians 5. I've already hit a couple of it. But listen to this, you guys. Right before it says women, women are supposed to submit to their husbands and husbands love their wives. In verse 21 it says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Out of reverence for Christ. He's in you. If you love him, you know what you'll do? You'll submit to each other. Now, this gets really good if you go to 1 Peter. 
You guys all should write this down because it's not up there and you should go home and read this. In chapter 2 of 1 Peter, he's totally talking about how Christ always lived this life of submission. And then in verse 13, it says, submit yourselves to, for the Lord's sake to every authority. So it talks about how we're supposed to be submissive to the authorities all around us. In verse 18, it talks about how slaves are sub- supposed to submit themselves to their masters. That's a whole other thing we'd have to get into. But then in verse, chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Wives, in the same way as Christ submitted, in the same way as you're supposed to submit to each other, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands. And then you go down to verse 7. This is so interesting. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect. Okay, now here's... When I got this, I'm like, genius. I'm going to be a genius here in just a minute because the scripture is genius. When it talks about considerate, you guys, what he's really saying is here is it means to consider them. And when it says to respect them, a husband is supposed to respect, it means you honor them. It means you value them. And what do you do with what you value? You give up your life. Okay, now look at this beautiful picture. Wives, submit to your husbands. What does that mean? When I think of submiss, I mean, I feel like it means to come under, right? Was that what you would? Okay, I'll come under your leadership. Husbands, Honor your wives. If you honor somebody, what do you do? You lift them up. I come under, I lift you up. I come under, I lift you up. Who wins? Who wins? You both win. (laughs) See, this is how you win. I take Susie every day and she's more valuable to me than any of you and anything else on this planet. So I honor her and I lift her up. And she goes, dude, because I love you, because I believe in you, I'm going to come under you. And you know what happens? We both meet right here. You both meet right here. That's how it's supposed to work. And so husbands, man, love your wives. Give yourself up for them. Women, get under your husband and just say, you rock. And follow them and trust them one time. And just believe in them and see what would happen. And here's what the vicious cycle is. The the wife looks at the husband and goes, man, there's no way I'm submitting to that. And then the husband feels that, and he goes, well, ain't no way I'm going to love you. And then she goes, well, you don't love you, so you know what? I'm going to take that back. And you, This is a vicious cycle where all of a sudden you go, I'm not going to submit to you, then I won't love you. Well, if you don't love me, then I won't submit to you. Well, if you don't submit to me, then I won't love you. And they just, and it gets so nasty. And one of you, in this book, Love and Respect, it says, one of you, whoever's closer to Jesus, make the decision right now to let him reign in your heart. And somebody stop the cycle. Stop it. Say, even if you don't deserve, and who deserves any of this, even if you don't deserve it, I want you to lead. I believe in you. Even if you don't deserve it, I'm going to love you, and I'm going to sacrifice my time for you, and I'm going to honor you, and I'm going to lift you up. And I tell you what, you guys, you'll start rubbing shoulders with each other in an unbelievable way. And that's what God has for us in that. All right, so what do you guys need to do today? Some of you women who have confronted your husband on every point, you need to say, honey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And some of you men who haven't even seen your wives, you haven't had a 
serious conversation with them, you haven't gotten to know them, you, they, you know that, you, if you're honest with yourself, you know that they haven't been the most important thing to you. You've got to today look them in the eye and say, Honey, I am so sorry. I've put golf ahead of you. I've put my project, football, work. I'm sorry. You just need to say it to each other today. And then you need to choose to be a blessing. And I just think, wives, find one way to trust your husband and follow his lead. Just find one way. One way, something you know he loves, something you know he wants to do, and say, man, I want you to do that. How can I help you? Get under him. And men, find a way to give yourself up. Give something up. Honor her. Set her above. Set date nights. Don't miss it. Just let her know today. Get her in her rightful place. All right, so there's husbands and wives. Now let's move to children. Children, obey your parents in everything because this pleases the Lord. This pleases the Lord. In Ephesians, again, the same other passage, Ephesians 6.1, it says, children, obey your parents, here's what's interesting, in the Lord. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. So again, even kids, if Jesus is inside of you, then one of the natural things, the thing that's right, because that's what it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. This is what's right. See, if you're a kid here today, what is right, the way God has designed it, and what pleases God is that whenever your parents tell you to do something, you say, yes, Massa. No, I mean, you just, no, but you obey them, and you love them. It's the right thing, and here's why. Because this is the way that God designed it. You guys, the human family was designed so that a kid who knows nothing, a, ki- a tiny, brand new, little baby who knows nothing, who has experienced nothing, gets placed into the hands of people who've lived something. And this is why all of us go, ah, when you have a kid because nobody told me what to do. And, you're, it, it, and yet you are the one who's going to. So kids, what God's plan was is to say those who've gone before you can lead you. Those who've been a kid, who've been a teenager, who've gone through the hardships of life, it is their job to now lead you in that. Those who love you and have their best interest in mind. I remember before, maybe before or right after we had our first kid, that was one thing my dad just said. He goes, you know, there's so many different ways to do all this stuff. And he said, but man, if you can just love them, really love them. Now, for some of you, even adults here, you're just saying, see, that was the problem. I didn't feel like my mom and dad loved me. It's hard to obey when you're not feeling loved. But you guys, what's what's why this is so important, and I think why it pleases the Lord when children obey their parents is because his desire, his desire for all of us is that we, each of us, would live a life holy and honoring to him. His desire and what we're created for is to live in a relationship with God where we trust Him, where we love Him, and where we obey Him. And you know where you learn how to do that? In your home. In your home. We're going to get to parents here in just a second, but it's hard to separate the two. So parents, this is why it's so critical. 
because our kids are supposed to obey us. And so it's critical that we actually know how to lead them, how to instruct them, how to help them to know what to do. And not just say, hey, good luck out there. You know, just play video games all day and, you know, eat whatever you want. And, you know, hey, just, you know, if you're not going to be home tonight, just give me a call. I mean, no, it's like our job is to help every child raise up and go, I know what it is to obey somebody. I know what it is to love somebody. I know what it is to honor and respect my parents. Because someday God is going to come to you and say, I want you to obey me. I want you to honor me. I am your Father, God gets to reveal to all of us, I don't care how old you are in this room, he is your father. And for a kid who never had to obey, for a kid who was never instructed, for a kid who had no discipline, I'm telling you what, when God shows up, he's like, whoa, I don't know how to deal with this. And so if you're a kid here today, yes, you're supposed to honor your mom and dad. You're supposed to obey them in everything, and it pleases the Lord. And I think the reason it pleases him is because eventually it's going to help your relationship be really good with God. So you, if you're a kid, and then I don't, if you have Christ in you, if you've received Christ, I did when I was 11. My daughter, I know my two daughters have Christ in their heart. I know that. Now, if you're a kid and Christ is in your heart, then Jesus is in there. And what did Jesus do? Listen to John 14, 31. It says, The world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. The world must learn. That would be all of us in this room. You guys, we've got to learn that Jesus loved his Father and he did exactly what his Father commanded him to do. See, so if Christ is in you, and you, are, and you are under your parents' leadership in their home, then one of the things that should be happening is he should de- be developing within you a heart that says, I love you, Mom. I love you, Dad. I'll do whatever you ask me to do. Oh, parents, wouldn't that be amazing? That sounded so good. So funny, on, um, I, I don't know, a few days ago, earlier this week, trying to get ready for school and, you know, just trying to get Caleb now was in kindergarten. Man, dude, get your clothes on and you got to eat your breakfast. And he wants to color and he wants to do all this stuff. And I think finally, like the third or fourth time, I just, I, I finally, because I actually got him to the table, and, but instead of eating his breakfast, he was still coloring. And I, so I finally, I just went down and I got down. I'm like, hey, buddy, this is the fourth time I've asked you to do this. And you know what? I'm getting frustrated. And I don't want to get frustrated. But you got to get ready for school, dude. And if you don't do this, you know, and I just, I sat there and I got done with him. I kept my calm. I was, you know, I did okay. I, yeah, it was, God was with me. And, um, and I, as soon as I got done, I walked into the kitchen and I'm serious. Immediately what happened to me is I just thought, how many times does God go, hey, Dave, you know what? This is the fourth time, man, I've asked you to do this. Now I'm getting frustrated. I don't want to get frustrated. Oh, man. And you know what's so cool? Is God is so holy and perfect as a father, and he's going to have his way. He's not some milquetoast dude, is he? We got to help our kids know how to respond so that when we get older, we know how to respond. All right, so parents, here we go so interesting to me because actually he only mentions fathers and again the reason is because of the culture during that day 
in a household in that culture, the man really was over the home and stuff, so they just said fathers. But how interesting, again, when he dresses men, he says, fathers, don't embitter your children. Don't be harsh with your wife, and don't embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. In other versions, it says, don't exasperate them, don't be hard on them, don't aggravate them. Okay, holy crow. So I had a kind of a, fun, a funny example. Like Just a few nights ago, I was laying in bed. It was 4.45 in the morning, and I thought I heard something. So I'm like, man, I should get up and get there. And then I, oh, I got to go to the bathroom. So I decided to get out of bed, and I jumped out. Of, I, I don't know how at 4.45 I was so awake, but I flung over, and I went to get out of bed. And on the way to get out of bed, my calf cramped. Don't you hate that? I mean, it's a whoom, and I didn't have time to stop, and I went with all my force on my foot. And I just... I just totally ripped, pulled, pulled my muscle in my calf. Because it was like this, and then it came down hard and pulled it apart, you know? And all night long, I just, oh, I just was in pain all night long. And the picture for me was, that's what we do as parents when we come down hard. Don't embitter, don't aggravate, don't be hard, don't exasperate your children, especially if it's a tense situation, right? Oh, Lord, help us all. But when it's like this, and as a parent, you come down with a hammer, wham! Then what does he say? Your kid's going to get discouraged. The other versions say he's going to lose heart. And another version said it crushes their spirit. So, you know, I was just thinking about that. And I, and um, just wondering, what, what does that mean? I, I asked my girls actually on the way in, hey, what do mom and dad do good, you know? And, and it was so fun. They're so sweet. I don't know if they're just BSing me or what, because they're all like, well, you know, when mom tells me no, that you can't have candy in the store, and I think you guys need to discipline us just a little bit more. And, <laughs> you know, and, um, <clears throat> but I know at one point, uh, Ashlyn, Ashlyn actually grabbed Susie and, and came to me um, because she wanted to tell me that when I come hard on her, how it hurts her heart. Okay. So we talked about that on the way in here. And it was great because they're saying, no, we don't want you not to discipline us. <laughs> they're so funny. <laughs> because we don't want to be just kids that are really bad and stuff. But maybe if it just wasn't so hard, you know, <laughs> was what they talked to us about. So in Ephesians 6.4, it says this, Fathers, do not exasperate your children, but instead... Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And here's the deal. God is love. And my number one job, I believe, is to love my kids like God loves me. So that when they, again, so when they run into him, they'll go, oh, I know how this works. This makes sense to me. Man, if that's what God is like, if God is like my father and like my mom, awesome. See, too many of us who are adults here today, we, we, when you ran into God and you heard he was a father, it made you want to run away from him. It made you feel like, well, I guess he doesn't care about me then. I guess he'll probably leave me. I mean, you have all these negative things. So for parents, how huge is this? And here's what it said. It said, to, to, don't, instead of exasperating them, we're to train them up in the instruction of the Lord. Here's what it means, parents, to love, I think, our kids. 
Number one, there's four things that we need to be doing. Right there, we need to be teaching them. We need to be teaching them. It is our job to teach them. And really, when you teach a child in the instruction of the Lord, it means I love you so much that I want you to know what the right path is. I want you to know what the right path is. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and take the risk. I, I know that, I know that um, sometimes as parents, we will kind of give up that job description of ours to Adventure Canyon or we'll give it up to our elementary schools or some of us have actually given it up to our kids. Instead of instructing them, we say, you know what, just go ahead and find that out. Find that out. I actually, we had friends of our family when I was growing up, and that was his dad's philosophy. He said, you know what, I just want her, my daughter, just to learn from the bumps and bruises of her life. You know, if she, if she goes out and sleeps with a bunch of guys and they break her heart, well, she'll learn from that. I'm like, you guys, that is not God's job description as a parent. I mean, God instructs us. He wants us to know the way that's right. And if you love your kids, you will be teaching them what is right. The second thing is, it's training them. And that's, how do you stay on the path? So you teach them, here's the path. And then the training side is, now I'm going to help you figure out how to stay on this path. Now, this is the hardest one, I think. The training, the discipline. Because discipline isn't just mean you're bad, spank you. Discipline, when you have self-discipline, it means I can do what I'm supposed to do. And our job as parents is to help build up a strength to help them to know how to stay on the path. And if you love your kids, and this is why I know for Susan and I, this is where we struggle. I'll just be honest with you. But if you love your kids, you will discipline them. You will not let them go off. When they're off the path, you'll help them to know how to stay on this. One of the things, just so you know, Mariah told me, she goes, I think you need to make us do more chores. I'm like, sweet, awesome, we can do that. But I mean, it's just, but what we're saying is there are things that you need to learn and I'm going to help you to do them. If you love your kids, the third one is you rebuke them. The Bible talks about the word of God is useful in all these things. And rebuking simply means you show them when they've gotten off the path. You show them when they've gotten off the path. And this is probably easier when kids are younger. But man, when your teenager is getting off the path, I just remember as a teenager how many kids, moms and dads, didn't really care what they were doing. Unbelievable to me. Did you, when I, then I worked with teenagers for years as a youth pastor. And I'm just like, and I remember Ryan telling me that here right at K2. He's like, Dave, it's unbelievable to me how many parents just don't really even care what their kids are doing. You guys, our job is to see as soon as you see your kid heading down a path that's going to lead to destruction, if you love them, you don't go, well, yeah, just run out into that street and get hit by that car. That's okay. No, it's not okay. You rebuke to get them back on. And then that's the last thing. If you really love them, you correct them. You correct them. And again, I'm a why guy. Some people aren't. But for me as a kid, if you didn't help me to know why, I used to ask my parents that all the time. Not just when I was three, when they always asked why, but when I was a teenager. Really? Why? You know, don't have sex. Why? That was a big one for me, man. A parent just saying, because. Oh, okay. Yeah, whatever. I mean, you're like, I mean, you need to give me some reasons here, man. Give me some ammo. Give me some understanding as to why I shouldn't do this or why I need to do this. You actually have to correct them and show them how to get them back on 
the path. And you guys, here's the deal. Every day in our homes, we have a choice. There's this, there's this passage in the Old Testament where God says, I set before you life and death. I set before you blessings and curses. I set you before you an opportunity every single day. As wives, every day you have a chance to bless your husband by believing in him and getting underneath and supporting him or by confronting him and fighting him and challenging him on everything. Husbands, every day we have a chance to bless our wives by making sure they know that nothing in this world is more important to me than you. And you honor them and you lift them up. You get to know them and you love them like Christ loved the church. You give yourself up for them. Or you can be a curse and live for yourself and make your job more important and spend no time at home and engage in no conversation. Every day we have that choice. Kids, as a parent, I'm serious, man. When, when your child just says, yeah, mom, yeah, dad, you have no idea how much that blesses our heart. It is huge to us. And, and, when, and when you challenge us every time, and when you question us, and when we have to ask you for the fourth time, it, it just, it, as we say in our home, you guys, you're just taking the blessing out of our home. And so now we need to figure out how to get the blessing back in because we're not going to have a home like that. And you have a choice every day. Am I going to be a blessing or is it going to be a curse? And then parents, the same thing. Every time, earlier in this passage, it said, let peace rule in your hearts. And you and I have a chance when we engage with our kids and we see that things are wrong. We have a chance to be a blessing to them, even in the way that we come down. Because make sure, I just want to make sure you hear me. When I said don't come down hard and embitter, that does not mean you don't come down, man. You toe the line and you hold them close and you watch and you discipline, but you do it like God does it to us with grace and mercy and strength. And we have a chance to be that type of blessing to our kids, to encourage them to believe in them. Or we have a chance to curse them. Isn't it amazing? We can actually crush their spirit. I won't, please don't raise your hand, but some of you know your spirit was crushed by your parents. And it still is today. Man, moms and dads, not in our homes, huh? Not in our homes. Let's be strong and let's love them like God loves us with discipline, with truth, with grace and mercy. And every day, I set before you blessing and curse. Which one will you choose? So as a band comes up, don't forget this. Jesus. Okay, this is why I love, I love him. This is why I love what I do. The reality. Because we're leaving this series, you guys. Don't forget your reality. And the reality is if you've received Christ, the one who is compassionate and loving and gentle and kind, the one who does not have rage and anger and bitter and slander, he's in there right now and you're in him. Get to know him soak in him. The more time you spend with him, the more time that he will have to make you like himself. We can have homes that rock and that are awesome, but it means that every single one of us is going to have to be soaking in Christ so that Christ actually gets to come out of you as a wife. 
come out of you as a husband, come out of you as a child, and come out of you as a parent. And there will be no harder place to live this out than in our homes. So lots of grace, lots of mercy, lots of forgiveness. But doesn't that sound like Jesus? Anybody else in here receive a lot of grace and a lot of mercy and a lot of forgiveness? Let's do it. So we're going to close just with one song today. It's not even a worship song. Patrick's just going to sing a song for us just to give you a chance to soak in maybe what you thought about right here, whatever action you need to take, and decide today when you walk out of here, how are you going to be a blessing in whatever role you have? How are you going to be a blessing so that your home can have Christ dwelling in it?